You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about offense. More specifically, we're going to talk about how to keep your offense creative so your players are having a little fun to mix it up a little bit during the course of a match. And uh, actually, what, what this does is it keeps your defense guessing. It keeps them on their heels, and it helps you control the offensive flow of the game. So we're going to get into this on today's episode. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 102 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? For my new listeners, welcome to the pod. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in. And if you are a regular listener, as always, you know how much I appreciate you. Thanks a lot for tuning in again, and I hope today we can... Uh, I can deliver some value that you can take back to your gym and apply to your team right away, as always. Uh, but before we get into this episode, let's just, uh, I, got a, I got a review I want to share with you guys. So uh, my latest review was from Rach Bien. I think, I hope, hopefully I said your name right. I apologize if I didn't. Uh, but they said, wow, five stars. Hey, Coach B, happy 100th episode. It's crazy because prior to getting married, I was also Coach B when I started coaching volleyball five years ago. You have no idea how blessed I am for finding your podcast. You are so passionate, and it is evident through the audio. I love your vision and mission, and my teams will be better because of you. God bless you. Well, Rach, thank you so much. I I really appreciate that. And again, I hope I said your name right. Uh, but thanks for um for you know, writing that 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 review. Uh, and yeah, it's it's crazy to just you know think that I've hit a hundred episodes. So you know, I I spent the last couple episodes talking about that. But uh, I appreciate the wishes. And again, thank you to everyone who continues to reach out. I know people um some people are behind and they haven't hit that hundredth episode yet. So uh, thank you for continuing to reach out and you know messaging me on Instagram and so forth. And uh and the kind words they really mean a lot. And it, you know it helps motivate me and keeps keeps me going. And I love that you know. I can keep delivering value to all of you via the podcast and help your teams. You know, at the end of the day, that's my goal to grow this game, help you as a coach, uh, help you coach your players, help you become more confident and, and, you know, try new things in your gym. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing that I'm able to do that. So I'm humbled and I appreciate that. And it's crazy because a lot of, a lot of members in DVA, I've been having a lot of one-on-ones this week with members that are part of Digital Volleyball Academy. And a lot of them actually came from the podcast. So it's really cool to see uh, you guys listening to the podcast and then having uh, many of you come over to uh, Digital Volleyball Academy, which is my world, which is my my signature membership where I get to work with coaches all around the world and you know get a chance to help them and grow them and take them even further. Because you can only go so far listening to a podcast episode. I mean, I mean you can go far, don't get me wrong. And I, I know many of you have been uh, improving as a coach and improving your team, but uh, you can only go so far. So it's cool to get to see some of the listeners on the pod come over to Digital Volleyball Academy where I get to work with them a little bit more personally and, and take them take their coaching to that next level. So uh, for all of you, thank you again. It really means a lot. But let's get into let's get into some offense, you know? Uh, I love I love talking offense and ironically enough, I don't talk about offense as much as I should on the podcast. And I, that's 
that's, that's my fault. I definitely should be talking about it a lot more. But, you know, with, with offense, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm such a defensive-minded coach. Yes, offense is a big part of our program. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm such a defensive-minded coach. I spent a lot of time talking about block defense and structure and, you know, how to perform at a high level when it, when it comes to this and skill development. But I don't, but offense is, is something that's important. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think, like, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the last five years of where our game's going. And teams are getting a lot more creative with their offense. And it's amazing to see. Now, depending on the league you play in, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, there are teams that just stay to basic offense. And there are teams that get a little bit more creative. And let's talk about all of them. I, I want to just understand. I want to I get the basics out of the way. So if you've attended any of my offensive workshops, um, the beginning of this will be, you'll be hearing this again. Uh, but that's okay. I just want to I just want to paint the picture so we understand where we're kind of coming from. So let's 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 talk about basic offense first. So when it comes to basic offense, one thing to understand is our game is designed for offense to win. Yeah, I don't know if you if you under, if you realize that, but our game is designed for offense to win because we only have three front court blockers in our game. When you're a back court, you cannot prevent the ball from coming over the net. And that actually is interesting because that's a that's an important point to understand. But on the offensive end now, we actually have four players that in any given moment can be an offensive player once the setter sets the ball. Because the libero cannot attack the ball, and your setter can't set to themselves to attack the ball, which leaves four players. So four players, three blockers, the hitters always have the advantage. Your offense always has the advantage. So I always throw out the number saying, you know, when you're in system, nine out of 10 times, you should be scoring. And you absolutely should be. So let's let's get some terminology out of the way. So we understand that we have four hitters, we have three blockers. Therefore, we have what we call four hitting lanes. And hitting lanes are important to understand. Those are the lanes, so the routes, that your attackers are going to run. And there are four of them. There are the left side hitting lane. There is the middle hitting lane. There is the right side slash opposite hitting lane. And then there's the backcourt pipe hitting lane. So those are your four hitting lanes. Okay. Now, every hitter can run different lanes. You know, for example, your middle can run, you know, a quick attack next to the setter. They can run kind of like a shoot, uh, kind of like where the gap area is. They can run a lot of different routes in the middle. I'm not going to get into different lanes and different routes right now um, because I, I want to keep this as simple as possible just so you can get started with your offense. If you've attended my offensive workshop, I get a, I, I dive a lot more deeper into offense and how to understand the number system and hitting lanes a little bit more. But for this, this, the purpose of today's episode, I want to get you guys off on the right foot to start implementing more creative offenses in your gym. So basically, four hitting lanes, three blockers. Our goal as an offense is to jam all four hitting lanes. So what does that mean? That means that our hitters, when the ball is being passed to the setter, our all four of our hitters should be getting ready to approach, if not already approaching, their respective hitting lanes. So left side, middle, opposite, and pipe. And by the way, even if you are a younger team, you know, a 15U team, I still recommend training your pipe hitters to run their lanes. Just because you don't set that ball 
doesn't necessarily mean you can't teach them how to run their hitting lanes because maybe you're in a situation where the setter has no option but to set that pipe ball because they either didn't get their feet set to get to the left side or whatever situation it is at least we have a left side getting ready to hit the ball because there are many times where that ball will be your best option okay so hitting lanes jamming them at all points and again what is the goal of your offense the goal of your offense is to create the one-on-one or the one-on-nothing. So what does that mean? The one-on-one means that your hitter is up against only one blocker. So if everyone does their job and runs their hitting lanes, we should have a one-on-one. So let me paint the picture for you. Imagine a ball is being passed to the setter. And when the ball is being passed to the setter, you have all four hitters jamming their lanes. So left side, middle, right side, and pipe. They're all jamming their lanes. And when you have everyone jamming their lanes, if the middle is running a great fast attack, then the middle blocker will more likely be caught with the middle attacker, right? The middle block is going to have to respect that middle attacker. Um, If you're in a read situation, especially, you got to kind of hold that middle blocker. And when you do that, the setter manipulates to the left side, and in this instant, the left side should have just one blocker on them. Probably not two, just one, unless it's an out-of-system ball, meaning the ball is passed pretty far off the net, and the likelihood of it going to the middle is not likely. So if we have an in-system ball, and maybe I should um, I should define those two a little bit more. If we have an in-system ball, That means the ball is passed at a good height where the setter has all four hitting options available to them, okay? So that's an in-system ball. Ball is passed at a good height where the setter doesn't have to really run after the ball and they have all four hitting options available to them. So the ball is passed to what I like to call two and a half, the area between position two and position three where the setter can manipulate the ball. All right, that's a good in-system ball where we have all four hitters being, uh, being an option. So when that all four hitters are an option, in theory, you should have a one-on-one or one-on-nothing, meaning there's no blocker and the hitter should have the advantage. Okay, so now that we've painted the picture of the hitting lanes, the jamming the lanes, the freeing up the one-on-one or the one-on-nothing, let's talk about how to create, uh, how to be creative with our offense. So the basic offense is creating the one-on-one or one-on-nothing and you're supposed to score, okay? Because if you are a hitter and you're up against just one blocker, you have a significant advantage. You have the entire court, and one blocker cannot protect the entire court. They can protect the part of the court. They can protect line. They can protect cross, perhaps, but they can't protect both. So as a hitter, coaches, make sure you're training your hitters to see that, see the one blocker, and take the shot that the blocker is not protecting. And normally, it's going to be a cross-court shot, normally. Normally, the blocker can only block line or take the attacker straight up, and there's going to be some form of cross court available to them, but they got to be able to hit it. So that's something you got to practice. Now, let's talk about being a little creative here. I want to talk about two things, and the first is a tandem. A tandem. Many of you may have heard of a tandem before, and I'll paint the picture. It's really tough over an audio, but I'll do my best. A tandem is a situation where we essentially are jamming the same lane as another player. And it normally involves the middle and the left side player. So let's imagine this. We have an in-system ball being passed to the setter. The middle is going in for what we call a quick attack, 
a very fast attack, meaning they're going to be jumping right before the setter releases the ball. So the ball is going to be hit really quickly. So the middle is running their middle lane, their quick attack. But instead of setting the middle, the setter is going to set the ball right over the middle, probably about a meter to a meter and a half over the middle. So it's still a fairly fast ball, but the middle is not going to attack it. The left side is going to come in and approach right to the left of that middle attacker and swing that fast ball and hopefully have a one on nothing. So instead of the left side jamming the left side hitting lane, they're going to come right behind the middle, or rather, right to the side of the middle. So when the middle jumps and they're in the air, the left side is then going to follow and jump right after and get that ball. And hopefully, if the middle does their job, they would have frozen, frozen, they would have froze that middle blocker, meaning the left side has a one on nothing. And that's called a tandem. And there, there are many variations of the tandem, many variations. But the whole point is that we want the middle to freeze the middle blocker by whatever, whatever lane, whatever route they run. And if the middle frees the middle blocker, that means the left side should have a one-on-nothing to hit a ball that is anywhere in the middle of the court. Because the left side blocker now has to read that, be quick and come over. And normally what happens is the left side is the left side blocker is either late or collides with the middle blocker. And in either case, you should have a one on nothing. Okay? Now you can only run these plays, these creative plays such as the tandem, you can only run it when you're in system, meaning the ball is passed at a good height where the setter has all four hitting options available to them and the setter is in a good position to set the ball. These are the only times you can run these type of plays. You can't run it with a bad pass because with a bad pass, we call that an out of system situation, normally the middle is not involved. Now even if you have a ball that's passed to a pretty decent height but the setter has to come off and set the ball at the attack line, in some coaches' gyms, that could be considered insistent because you have multiple hitting options. You probably have three out of four. Or you could still have the middle as an option if they break and they and they kind of break for the 30 for the gap where they're, they have a little bit of distance away from the setter. They're still, they still can be an option. However, you're not going to be freeing up a one on nothing in that case. And in that, in that case, running a creative offensive play is, is not optimal. It's not going to do anything for you, uh, which is okay. And at that point in time, we all run our regular our regular lanes until the next opportunity, which brings me to my next point. As I mentioned, we have to be in system to run these plays. But normally, when you're running a creative offense, if it doesn't work the first time, that doesn't mean you can't run it the second time. So here's how we need to understand creative offenses. When you call a tandem, so when the setter goes up to the net, calls their play, they pull their shirt out so the, off, so the defense can't see them, and they signal their play to their, their offensive uh, team, their, their players, their teammates. If on the first serve, if the ball is not passed, we do not, not pass well rather, we, and we can't run our hitting lanes, efficiently to run that play we don't run it so the setter can do a simple thing like say off a simple communication off 
And, and the minute the setter says off, every offensive player knows, scratch that play, and we're going to run our regular hitting lanes. But I want you to understand that doesn't mean the play is scratched in its entirety. Because after you hit the ball over the net, if it's a rally situation and they deliver a free ball back over or an attack or whatever the case is where we can be in system on the next play, then you still run it in that sequence. Because that play, that play call that you made at the beginning of that rally before the serve was made, that play call means at the next in-system ball. That doesn't necessarily mean at the next in-system ball off serve receive. It means at the next in-system ball. So if on your serve receive the ball wasn't in-system and you couldn't run your play, you call off and you get the ball over the net. And if they deliver a free ball or a ball where you're going to be in-system, that is when you run it. So this is an important factor to understand when you're running a creative offense. It is always ran on the next in-system ball, whether it's the first, whether it's the second, whether it's the third. Now, when the ball is dead, when the play is dead, then the play goes away and you reset and then the setter will call another play, a basic play, a creative play, whatever your, whatever your strategy at that time is, that's when the setter will call it. But during that rally, you're still running that play on the next in-system ball, okay? So I don't want you to get confused and thinking that you only run it once. If it doesn't work on the first ball, you squash it completely. And also on the opposite end of that, something to note, you are not calling plays in the middle of a rally, okay? I mean, you can try. It is very difficult to do that. I think I've seen some teams try to implement that, but I wouldn't recommend it unless you're at a high, high, high level type of team. I wouldn't recommend calling plays in the middle of a rally. So what that means is, is your setter, instead of calling a play at the beginning or at the beginning of serve receive, or maybe they do call a play at serve receive, but they change their play in, in the middle of a rally, it is really, really difficult to say, okay, the next in-system ball is coming. So let's say the ball is a free ball, and then your, set, your setter signals something to your teammates. That is a difficult thing to do, and it's probably not going to work out in your favor. It's not like basketball, where the point guard dribbles the ball up the floor, has time, and then with his, with his or her hands, will call a play with their fingers, and then the team runs that offense. No, we don't have that luxury of time. When the point guard has the ball in their hands, he or she is dribbling, and they have time to run their routes and run their picks and stuff like that. When the passer is passing the ball, you literally have less than a second to understand what's happening, and you're not going to be able to communicate a new play in that moment in time. It's just not going to happen. So understanding that is important. And I will also say that combo plays, I, I call them combo plays, like tandems, those are combos in my mind. Combo plays, they work really well during a rally. It almost works better during a rally than it does off serve receive, because off serve receive, the blockers are dialed in, they're focused, they're solely focused on getting the block. You know, they're ready for it. During a rally, they've already jumped to attempt to block, they've backed up, get ready to swing, maybe they weren't able to swing and a free ball is coming over, maybe they did swing and you were able to dig it to two, to a good ball where you can run a two and a half offense. You know, all of these things may have happened, but the blockers now are much more involved and have a lot more on their plate than they did when they were just blocking. So in a rally, 
there's a lot more going on on a blocker's mind than on a serve-receive. On a serve-receive, it's simple blocking, it's simple offense, it just works. But when the rally situation comes, now they have to come back to the net, refocus and engage, and dial into the eye sequencing of where the ball is and find the hitters. So you can imagine it's a lot more difficult for them to be able to track and trace where the hitters are coming in on different routes in a rally situation versus off-serve-receive. So this is something, and I haven't mastered this, by the way, but an ideal that I want you to think about is how to set up your offense where you can communicate with your players. We're not going to run our offense on the next in-system serve-receive ball, but we're going to run a creative play on the next, on the next in-system rally or the next free ball. So that is important. And we've experimented with with it in our gym, not not this year because of COVID, we didn't have time. But one thing we're going to be experimenting this time is when we make a play call, there is going to be a play call for serve-receive as well as the next in-system ball if that serve-receive wasn't there. And there's going to be a play call for the next in-system ball during a rally situation. So two different things there two different things. Now, the easiest way to do this is we have a play call for serve-receive when the other team is serving, and you have obviously a play call when the ball comes over when you are serving. So when you are serving, that is a great opportunity to do it as well because your blockers are going to be solely focused because you're serving. The opponent is going to be just completed uh, an attack hit or a free ball and they're getting back to the net to block and then you can run your combo play then so that's also another opportunity to run it where it's great but my absolute favorite is after you serve receive you get it over and they give it back to you and then you have a free ball now it doesn't happen very often but on in those moments those are the best times to run combo plays because that's when the defense is going to least expect it and they're going to have a hard time digging. It's going to have a hard time digging. It's really, really that, that simple, okay? I threw, I've threw. i been throwing a lot at you in this episode. So let, me just, let me just do a quick recap. I still have a couple more things I want to talk about, but let me just do a quick recap. Understanding the basics of offense, okay? So understanding there are four hitting lanes, three blockers, and it's your team's objective to run all four hitting lanes, okay? Make sure we're always running our four hitting lanes. Freeing up the one-on-one or the one-on-nothing is the primary objective in any offense. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the one-on-one or one-on-nothing for any of our hitters. We talked about the simple first play of the tandem. The tandem is an opportunity where um, you have a middle coming in, and they're running their 51, their quick attack, and then the left side comes in and jumps right after the middle jumps and gets a ball that's set right over the middle, to free up the one-on-one or the one-on-nothing. In theory, it should be a one-on-nothing. We talked about what it means to be in-system versus out-of-system and when your setter should be delivering this type of combo plays. You know, Rally situations are the best. That's when the combo plays work best. Uh, but understanding that it's the next in-system ball. It's important. You run plays on the next in-system ball. Okay? The, the, la- the last play I want to talk about, because I don't want to confuse you guys, there's there's a ton of offensive plays in our game, a ton of offensive plays. And if, if you want to dive more into that, by the way, um, if you're a DVA member, go to uh, the Coach's Blueprint and go to um, the, the offensive systems uh, training that I did, and I dive way more into this. 
where you want you can you can and I draw it out for you so you see what it looks like. And if you're not a DVA member, by the way, and you you'd like to access this live training on offense, where I dive a lot deeper into and I show you on my iPad, I actually charted out and how to run these routes and when and how to do it and a bunch of other offensive plays you can run. Uh, go to Digital Volleyball Academy and try to sign up for that waitlist, and I'll let you know when you can get in. Uh, maybe if you really, really, really want this, we can work out something to get you in uh, earlier than later. Um, but it's an opportunity for you to get a chance to see this. Mind you, um, you I not only have uh, my offensive training in there, I have a ton of other trainings. And if, you ever, if you're a listener, you know what Digital Volleyball Academy is. It's my signature membership where I get to bring coaches into my world. And they get access to my live trainings where I jump on coaching calls twice a month with them for Q&A and live trainings. Not to mention you get access to all my courses that I've created and my resources. And you get to see behind the scenes to what we do in our college gym so you can apply it to yours. Um, so it's a really cool mentorship program that you get the help. It's not just a library of resources. Like you, can, you There's YouTube for that. And there's other uh, paid subscriptions where you can access a library of drills and skills. I, that's not what I run. I, mind you, I do have that, but it's so much more than that. It's a coaching mentorship program where I get to mentor you, where you get to ask questions and get feedback, where I get to see where you are now and show you the way where you can get to the next level of your coaching. That's what it's all about. And that's how I grew as a coach is when I had that mentorship. And it's the fastest way and most efficient way to grow as a coach. So there's a little side note. Sorry, I, I kind of went on a tangent there, but that's that's DVA. So if you want more on, on, on this kind of stuff, just, just reach out in Digital Volleyball Academy and sign up for that wait list. So the next thing I want to talk about is what we call an X, an X play. And an X play is um, exactly, imagine an X. If you're driving, don't, don't imagine this drive. But imagine an X. So an X is a crisscross, right? It's a crisscross pattern. So the way an X works is the middle will go in for a quick attack, just like they normally do. But instead of the left side coming in, the right side is going to come in and run the lane right behind the middle in a crisscross way. So your X is coming in uh, into the setter, and the right side, your opposite, is going right behind the setter, or sorry, right behind the middle, coming in from position one, and they're going to hit the ball that's set right over the middle and hopefully have a one-on-one or one-on-nothing. So the middle jumps. The setter sets the ball, the setter sets the ball, and it's passing the middle now. So the middle's jumping, and the ball is passing the middle, hopefully freezing the middle blocker. And the opposite is running right behind the middle, coming from position one, kind of like an X. You can imagine an X here, running cross court and hitting that shot, hopefully with a one on nothing. And that's your X. And you could Google this, you could YouTube this, you could use X play in volleyball if you want a visual, but that's kind of what it looks like. So these are the two, the tandem and the X, a great way of being creative with your offense, a great way of creating momentum when you need it in the middle of a match. And it's fun. And this is, and again, this is why this is volleyball at its best. This is volleyball is fun and volleyball. People love to watch volleyball, not because of the ability for players to pass, no disrespect to liberos and, and people who love passing, not because people love to set. People, fans, who know nothing about volleyball, where they catch their eye to volleyball, people who love to watch volleyball, that pay to watch volleyball, is they pay to watch offense. I don't know if we realize that, but that is what makes this sport, I don't, this, that's what makes this sport sexy, if you want to call it that. That's what makes this sport fun is offense. And sometimes as coaches, 
We forget about offense. We're so, and I myself am guilty of this. We forget and we focus all on defense and passing and setting. And by the way, I'm not saying don't focus on it. Passing and serving are the most important two skills of our game, and the best passing or serving teams win. I agree. But we also want to showcase our ability to play this game at a high level and make it fun. And that is what you do with offense. Everybody gets excited when a player kills the ball, when you get a nice spike. Everybody loves it. Everybody is amazed with combo plays. It makes the game so much fun, and it draws more attention to our game. When when you're watching teams play, why, why are you watching them for those big kills and those big, amazing routes that they run? When you watch it on TV, that's why you watch the game. So let's not forget that. That's the joy of volleyball, and let's not forget that, and let's continue to bring it in our gym. Have fun. Work on offensive plays tandems, axes, be creative. And again, if you want more plays, it's inside DVA4. You can go take a look at that. And if you want to create plays, create them, but have fun with it. And I will say, communicate and practice it. In order for offensive plays to work, communication has to be top level, top notch. If your players don't have the ability to communicate with each other, uh, you won't be able to run offensive plays effectively. It's just the way it works. And you have to practice it in practice. You have to have moments where you just set aside time to run these plays. You have to have moments where you do six on six, where you're able to run these plays and you and you, that you do it with intent, with a purpose, and you practice it. And when you do that, you're going to be so much better off for it. I promise you. Way, way, way better off for it. And in those moments where you need to go in your coach's back pocket and your coach's toolbox, rather, and drop a, a play out of a timeout, you're already going to be a step ahead of the game because you've practiced it. Your team is going to be excited about it. You're going to run it. You're going to score, and you're going to build momentum and get momentum back on your team if you didn't have it. And that is a great thing in our sport. You know our sport's all about building momentum. You know our sport is a big momentum-driven game, and you're going to get it back because of that. All right? So we talked about the understanding the basics of offense in terms of the hitting lanes the fact that our game is designed to offense to win, four hitters versus three blockers, jamming all hitting lanes, freeing up the one-on-one versus the one-on-nothing, running a tandem, running an X, understanding the difference between in-system and out-of-system, understanding play calling, rallying versus serve-receive, understanding combo plays, and how to, underst- how to understand how to communicate that with your team. So all of these things, these are all strategies and all great ways where you can be creative with your offense and have fun with it and bring that joy into your gym, into your team, so, and it's a really fun way of winning, I'll tell you that. But again, I will say, you still got to be able to pass at a high level. You cannot run, remember I talked about this, you have to be in system. And in order to be in system, your passing and ball control have to be at a high level. And if they're not at a high level, you will not be able to run offensive plays. So if you're at a point in your team where you're not passing and you can't have and you don't have ball control to be in system, you can't run offensive plays. So there's no point in talking about this. So when you're when your team is at the level that will allow you to do that, we can talk about offensive plays, such as when you're in system, when you're passing at a high level, then I want you to start implementing offensive plays and having fun with it. But only until then. Okay. All right. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. You know, I appreciate it. And I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right. Cue the music. 
Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training and instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days? When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.